you for tuning in to Songs of Praise from 3ABN Australia Radio. We trust you'll enjoy this musical selection to bring you peace, comfort and hope. Oh 
my Jesus I shall see And I look upon his face The one who saved me by his grace When he takes me by the hand And leads me to that promised land What a day, glorious day that will be There'll be no sorrows there No more burdens to bear No more sickness, no pain No more parting over there And forever I will be With the one who died for me What a day, glorious day My Jesus I shall see And I look upon his face The one who saved me by his grace When he takes me by the hand And leads me to that promised land What a day, glorious day that will be And I look upon his face The one who saved me by his grace When he takes me by the hand And leads me to that promised land What a day, glorious day that will be
Songs of Praise endeavours to draw your heart, mind and soul to a close relationship with your Saviour, Jesus Christ. Love. 
Precious Jesus, I want to thank you for taking my place at Calvary. Precious Jesus, I want to tell you just how much you just want to thank you, precious Jesus, for loving me. Many times I think about you, Lord, all alone in dark Gethsemane.
apparent everywhere Where mankind is wanting Fill the vacant place Be the means through which the Lord reveals His grace
Trumpets sound its blast, and 
If you're enjoying this music, encourage your friends to listen to this program each week. Savior, praising my Savior. 
day is coming, it draweth nigh, when our hosts shall gather in the sky. And through clouds like thunder will the Lord be sent, when he comes the judgment day begins. Every foe that stands against you shall fall on bended knee, Doubting I shall see you return triumphantly. Every tongue that has denied you shall cry that you are Lord, you are Lord. Christ is Lord. Mighty God, Messiah, the Prince of Peace, I exalted name above all names, name that cast out demons, causes death to cease, lifted up and worthy to be praised. Every foe that stands against you shall fall on bended knee. Every doubting I shall see you return triumphantly. Every tongue that has denied shall cry that you are Lord, you are Lord. Christ is Lord. And they call him Jesus, for he saves from sin every soul who calls upon his name. Give me 
passion for the cross. And I will go
Jesus will see. Above the bright blue, the beautiful blue, Jesus is waiting for me and for you. Heaven is there, not far from our sight. Beautiful city of light. Invite your family and friends to also enjoy songs of praise. my mind 
to Calvary, where Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands, his feet, my Savior on that cursed tree. body bound and drenched in tears they laid him down in Joseph's tomb the entrance sealed by heavy stone Messiah still and all
3ABN Australia Radio are delighted to share songs of praise with you. We look forward to your company next time. Welcome to 3ABN Australia Radio's book reading program. The book, The Ministry of Healing by Alan White, provides sound counsel regarding holistic health. It covers all aspects of living that contributes to good health like cheerfulness, fresh air, exercise, diet, and positive relationships with other people, to name a few. Crucial also is a personal relationship with our Creator, who gave us life and everything we need for health and happiness. In this book, Alan White deals with sickness of the soul and the healing balm to be found by trusting God in all things. Written in simple, beautiful language, Ministry Healing will point to a life full of joy and happiness, a life connected with the source of healing power. Let's join our book reader, Rosalie Ricards.
Hello, this is Rosalie, and I'm reading from the book Ministry of Healing by Alan White. Chapter 1 Our Example Our Lord Jesus Christ came to this world as the unwearied servant of man's necessity. He took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses, that he might minister to every need of humanity. Matthew 8:17. The burden of disease and wretchedness and sin he came to remove. It was his mission to bring to men complete restoration. He came to give them health and peace and perfection of character. Varied were the circumstances and needs of those who besought his aid, and none who came to him went away unhelped. From him flowed a stream of healing power, and in the body and the mind and soul men were made whole. The Saviour's work was not restricted to any time or place. His compassion knew no limit. On so large a scale did he conduct his work of healing and teaching that there was no building in Palestine large enough to receive the multitudes that thronged to him. On the green hill slopes of Galilee, in the thoroughfares of travel, by the seashore, in the synagogues and every other place where the sick could be brought to him was to be found his hospital. In every city, every town, every village through which he passed, he laid his hands upon the afflicted ones and healed them. Wherever there were hearts ready to receive his message, he comforted them with the assurance of their heavenly Father's love. All day he ministered to those who came to him. In the evening, he gave attention to such as through the day must toil to earn a pittance for the support of their families. Jesus carried the awful weight of responsibility for the salvation of men. He knew that unless there was a decided change in the principles and purposes of the human race, all would be lost. This was the burden of his soul, and none could appreciate the weight that rested upon him. Through childhood, youth and manhood, he walked alone. Yet it was heaven to be in his presence. Day by day he met trials and temptations. Day by day he was brought into contact with evil and witnessed its power upon those whom he was seeking to bless and to save. Yet he did not fail or become discouraged. In all things he brought his wishes into strict abeyance to his mission. He glorified his life by making everything in it subordinate to the will of his father. When in his youth his mother, finding him in the school of the rabbis, said, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? He answered, and his answer is the keynote of his life work. How is it that ye sought me? Wist you not that I must be about my father's business? Luke 2:48 and 49. His life was one of constant self-sacrifice. He had no home in this world, except as the kindness of friends provided for him as a wayfarer. He came to live in our behalf the life of the poorest, and to walk and work among the needy and the suffering. Unrecognized and unhonored, he walked in and out among the people from whom he had done so much. He was always patient and cheerful, and the afflicted hailed him as a messenger of life and peace. He saw the needs of men and women, 
children and youth, and to all he gave the invitation, Come unto me. During his ministry, Jesus devoted more time to healing the sick than to preaching. His miracles testified to the truth of his words, that he came not to destroy but to save. Wherever he went, the tidings of his mercy preceded him. Where he had passed, the objects of his compassion were rejoicing and in health and making trial of their newfound powers. Crowds were collecting around them to hear from their lips the works that the Lord had wrought. His voice was the first sound that many had ever heard, his name the first word they had ever spoken, his face the first they had ever looked upon. Why should they not love Jesus and sound his praise? As he passed through the towns and cities, he was like a vital current, diffusing life and joy. Matthew 4:15 and 16 records, The land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali, toward the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations, the people that sat in darkness saw a great light. And to them that sat in the region and shadow of death, to them did light spring up. The Saviour made every work of healing an occasion for implanting divine principles in the mind and soul. This was the purpose of his work. He imparted earthly blessings that he might incline the hearts of men to receive the gospel of his grace. Christ might have occupied the highest place among the teachers of the Jewish nation, but he preferred rather to take the gospel to the poor. He went from place to place that those in the highways and byways might hear the words of truth. By the seaside, on the mountainside, in the streets of the city, in the synagogue, his voice was heard explaining the scriptures. Often he taught in the outer court of the temple that the Gentiles might hear his words. So unlike the explanations of scripture given by the scribes and Pharisees was Christ's teaching, that the attention of the people was arrested. The rabbis dwelt upon tradition, upon human theory and speculation. Often that which men had taught and written about the scriptures was put in place of the scripture itself. The subject of Christ's teaching was the word of God. He met questioners with a plain, It is written, What saith the scripture? How readest thou? At every opportunity when an interest was awakened by either friend or foe, he presented the word. With clearness and power, he proclaimed the gospel message. His words shed a flood of light on the teachings of patriarchs and prophets, and the scriptures came to men as a new revelation. Never before had his hearers perceived in the word of God such depth of meaning. Never was there such an evangelist as Christ. He was the majesty of heaven, but he humbled himself to take our nature that he might meet men where they are. To all people, rich and poor, free and bond, Christ, the messenger of the covenant, brought the tidings of salvation. His fame as the great healer spread throughout Palestine. The sick came to the places through which he would pass, that they might call on him for help. 
Hitherto came many anxious to hear his words and to receive a touch of his hand. Thus he went from city to city, from town to town, preaching the gospel and healing the sick, the king of glory in the lowly garb of humanity. He attended the great yearly festivals of the nation, and to the multitude absorbed in outward ceremony, he spoke of heavenly things, bringing eternity within their view. To all he brought treasures from the storehouse of wisdom. He spoke to them in language so simple that they could not fail of understanding him. By methods peculiarly his own, he helped all who were in sorrow and affliction. With tender, courteous grace, he ministered to the sin-sick soul, bringing healing and strength. In Isaiah 42, 6-20, I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness, and will hold thy hand and will keep thee, and give thee for a covenant of the people, for a light of the Gentiles, to open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison, and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. And I will bring the blind by a way that they knew not. I will lead them in paths that they have not known. I will make darkness light before them, and the crooked ways straight. To be continued. Join us again next time when Rosalie Rickards continues reading from the book The Ministry of Healing here on your station, 3ABN Australia Radio. We hope you enjoy the short presentation of how God led His people after the Reformation from lineagejourney.com William Miller was the oldest of 16 children and was born in Lowhampton, New York. His parents were Christians and in his home there were only three books, the Bible, the Psalter and the prayer book. He had an insatiable desire to learn and would read these over and over again. But his desire to learn would lead him to others in the area with more extensive libraries than in his home. He would borrow books and by the light of burning pine knots, he would read them late into the night. This soon distinguished him as one of the most educated people in his area, both of his own age group and those older as well. As William Miller reached the age of marriage, he met a young lady named Lucy Smith here in the town of Poultney, Vermont, a few miles from where he lived. After they got married, he moved here to this town and found out that they had a library here. Here he would spend hours day after day and was introduced to the writings of Voltaire, David Hume and Thomas Paine, all great deists. Deists believed that God created the world and set it in motion, but after that he took a step backwards, detaching himself from the everyday affairs of man. William Miller would go on to become a deist. In 1812, America was at war with England and William Miller had a strong sense of patriotism and like his father before him, he volunteered to fight for his country. In the town of Poultney where he lived, 47 men volunteered to fight on the condition that he would be their officer. 
Two things stood out in William's mind from this war. The first was when a shell, just like this one from the Battle of Plattsburgh, exploded within two feet of him and three other men. Whilst the others sustained injuries, he walked away unscathed. The second was the Battle of Plattsburgh itself. The Americans were heavily outnumbered. The British were much better trained and experienced, having just defeated Napoleon, yet they were soundly beaten by an army they should have routinely defeated. The protection and providence of God was vividly impressed upon his mind and was not something he could easily shake. returning to his hometown after the death of his father, he would sometimes attend church with his mother, his wife and his children. Whilst he was a deist, he enjoyed listening to his uncle preach and he also wanted his children to attend church. When his uncle was away, however, one of the deacons would read a prepared sermon and one Sunday he told his mother that he did not want to go to church because he found the deacon's reading to be boring. He did say, however, that he will be open to reading in the future if an opportunity arose. Like any good mother would, she arranged for him to be the reader the next time his uncle was away, and it turned out that the sermon was about parental duties and the importance of prayer. Whilst he was reading, he broke down crying, struck by the inconsistency, by the fact that he did not pray, yet he encouraged his children to pray. Suddenly, the character of the Savior was vividly impressed upon his mind, how he would atone for our sins and suffer death in our place. He later said, God opened my eyes and oh my soul, what a beautiful Savior I saw Jesus to be. He fell in love with Jesus and the Bible and this would take him on a journey that would go far in life. The love of Jesus can melt the most stony of hearts. Whilst William believed in God, it was an impersonal God. Yet when he saw the loving character of God, it melted his heart and pierced through his logical and rational mind. Maybe you are someone or you know someone who has similar doubts that William had. Pray, pray that they may see the love of God. Pray that they may open their hearts and allow him to come in. To view more episodes in the series, visit lineagejourney.com.